I got goals to chase, I got roads to pay. Not yet where I wanna be, but I got close today. I went ghost today, I got least to say. I've been focused on these dreams like I didn't sleep today. Hey guys. Hey Alex. Hey David. Hey Gary. Hi guys. So, hey David. Look at, we're hey in guys. a new studio here. Yeah. You guys see us in a new studio. Um, Shop Talk 2.0 revamped. We're, uh, we're doing a podcast. We're doing a podcast and listen, this will get cut up and you know, we've got multiple cameras here. This will get cut up into a, a lot of different pieces of content. How many we got here? Three, three four, three, three, four, three, yeah, four, three cameras, three mics. That's it. Two fans in the audience. There you go. Um, but I, <laughs> but I think that, I think that traditionally when we all consume content, I think all of us consume content, you know, I don't think there's anybody today that doesn't consume content in some fashion. Uh, as, but specifically with sports card content, I think a lot of it has always been or currently is present day news. What's have here's the headline, here's the opinion on the headline and move on. And I think what we're trying to do here is essentially do an incredibly raw, incredibly genuine riff on our opinion, our insight, our feelings and emotions about the good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly uh, of what it is to be in the sports card business. Mm -hmm. uh, granted, we're collectors, we're hobbyists, but ultimately and truly relics is a business. There is a business side to what we're trying to accomplish here. Uh, and I think the purpose of this is to give you know, fans, hobbyists, people that follow us a sort of little behind the curtain look at our noggins, our minds, and, and yep. how we approach a lot of these subjects. Yeah. No, we're excited to kick this off. We think we're, we're going to have some amazing guests uh, be joining us. And there are some high-end collectors, some, you know, some influencers in the industry. And I think uh, everyone's going to provide some good, uh, good insight into their, uh, what they've got in their noggins as their well. Their journey, yeah. yeah. You guys love content. <laughs> this, is, this is the content. Content for the game. squad. Content this is, is the game. content for the squad. That's it. I think the first thing I'd really like to talk about, this is like very current events, just got like all over the news yesterday. Adam Sandler, Happy Gilmore. By the way, Relics has Happy Gilmore uh, Funkos in the shop, so yeah. come, come see us. Happy Gilmore, Mr. Adam Sandler, potentially going to be doing a movie about high-end sports cards. Yeah. First question I have for the boys, who is making cameos? Mm. Who's, who's the must-see cameos in the Adam Sandler high-end sports movie? Are we talking movie? current actors or are we talking No, cameos, cameos, like industry people. Oh, there's going to be, be. LeBron's going to be in there. LeBron? LeBron's going to be in there. Whoa. <laughs> <Good luck. laughs> I was going to no, I don't think it's. I don't, you don't think, think an athlete. Are you are you talking no. about like a Ken, hobby guy Ken like Burb? It's got to be Ooh, like the Golden, Goldens, Golden's the Shines. Ken Golden. Yeah, Golden. Drake, you got to think Drake's gonna be in there. Nah, he's not showing up. Really? He's, he's a, a busy he's guy. A, he's a flawless. He was guy, a blip. Though. You think he was a blip in the in the like sports card world? Did he pay for those boxes? That's a great question. Did no. he pay for those? No. Because that the you know flawless market went up like crazy. Crazy. Right and he came back to earth. Yeah. He was ripping here in Toronto at uh, at a restaurant, wasn't uh, he? At Harbor, 60, Harbor, Harbor 60 private room. In his yeah. private room, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With Ken. With Ken. Ken was here too. Ken flew on, a, on a private jet. And cardboard. All so I mean, I think part of the reason that you have the interest now of like movie producers and the Adam Sandlers of the world is the fact that like you have these like crazy Albeit, let's call it like a three-day, one-week thing that like the Drake situation did that was causing all these insane headlines, so many more eyeballs, the triple logo man chase, 
of LeBron that was happening. It, it really, I think, shines a light onto this industry that I think a lot of people are amazed at. When I talk to people, one of the things that I think amazes people the most is the fact that sports cards that are printed today, so modern day sports cards, get seven figure sales prices yep. all the time. When people think of like crazy like sales prices, they think of the Mickey Mantles, the Babe Bruce, you know, the crazy vintage stuff. But when I tell people a piece of cardboard that got manufactured somewhere three weeks ago was pulled out of a box of cardboard and somebody paid $1.3 million for it. Yeah. I think that amazes people. Some are stupid. Some don't deserve those seven figures, but... Uh, but the money's but, there. But, but it happens, right? So there's always a buyer. There's, uh, you know... Somebody pays for it. It's what it's worth. Yeah, I mean, like like art, right? It's like, what's the value of something? It's what someone's willing to pay for it. Yeah. But I think that... I think that... Now that, you know, these Drake situations are happening and, you know, potentially the Adam Sandler movie is happening, you know, and it's very specific that they're saying it's the high end sports cards, yeah. right? Uh, it's going to shine a light onto what I think a lot of us always wonder. One thing I always wonder is like, who the fuck is paying? Yeah, who's actually buying <laughs> for this stuff? Listen, his lot or are you talking about the cards? The cards. Well, I was going to just say about Adam Sandler. No, his really? last two sports movies were fantastic. Fantastic. 100%. Hidden Gem and uh, That wasn't a sports Hustle. movie. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was actually. It was. was. He was a, a better. It was there, a better. Yeah, it you're was right. a lot of sports betting. There was a lot of sports athletes. You're right. You're right. Like I AG. take that back. And uh, what was the other one? Hustle. Hustle. With, uh, Bo with Cruz. our own, with Bo Cruz. The Toronto Raptors very own. Right? So, um, you know, just about the movie. It's probably going to be fire. It's going to be amazing. It's probably going to be It's going to be amazing. Right? So, um, back well, to who's buying the cards. Who's buying the cards? I don't know. And listen, sometimes... I'd like to meet them. Is it individuals? It is individuals. Is it companies? It, it, there, there are... Institutional money is buying... Or was, is, you know, is buying them. There's the companies that you know, are buying these and then giving them out, you know, selling them for fractional mm -hmm, shares, which mm -hmm. is a whole other other business and whole other thing that people whole other like racket, or dislike, yeah. right? But, uh, you know. But Alt, like, for example, Alt, the platform yeah. started as a fund, yep. right? Uh, it's a private equity fund that started just acquiring a portfolio of assets. And, and, um, and now it's people. I mean, sometimes these people will make themselves known for different reasons. You know, I, there's a big insurance guy out of Florida that I know bought the big Luca card. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and sometimes people will just like do it for the fame side of it. Right. I hate shine. Shine will do this frequently yeah. when a big sale happens and he's the guy that bought it. He'll make sure the yeah, world knows that he's know. the guy that bought it. It's part of his part shtick, of his stick. Right? Yeah. Like it's, it's, you know, it's his business too. Right? Yeah. So it's his business too. Uh, but a lot of these cards get bought and go into the hands of truly private collectors yeah. and you'll, you'll never really know. So I think that's going to be really interesting. The second element of it is like, we all saw what the Formula One Netflix show did to the Formula One sport, mm -hmm. right? It got crazy yep. attention. Do we think that if this movie actually happens, you'll see a rush of people getting into sports cards? I think, listen, you know, we've been doing this for a long enough time, <laughs> like even in the short period of, you know, the ups and the downs, it's been happening. We'll have a period of three months where sports cards are everything. We'll have the quiet uh, summer months, right? So um, it'll definitely bring more eyeballs, more attention um, for how long. Sure. You know, it's always for how long, but no doubt. No doubt some uh, 
some new eyeballs. It's like the Formula One trend. Like when Formula One yep. last year, the prices were super high because there's so much attention, so many people coming in. But like now it's really cooled off and the yep. prices have really kind of come back to earth. So I think it might be the same thing where you'll have that little influx temporarily, but then once the hype kind of dies down, it might cool down a bit. Sure. But I think the high-end market, there's always going to be that high-end market. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing about high-end. High-end is a different marketplace. That's what we... I mean, once again, we've been in this long enough that we've seen that base rookies, people don't care about anymore, right? Kids don't care about. Kids are literally throwing them into our free bins. So um, it's just going more high-end. People want patches. People want don't even want sticker autos anymore, right? Like kids don't even want sticker autos anymore. They, they listen to want, our show. They only <laughs> want on-card autos, right? So people don't want patches that aren't game-worn. People are getting more, and it's just kind of trending towards that more high-end type of card. Right? The industry so, is getting smarter. Yeah. Totally. You know, people are getting a lot more smarter. They're a lot more like prices, a lot more sales are happening. And there's a lot more to kind of kind of look at and judge. Is this the way to go? Yeah. And I think I think on the topic of sales, this is a really interesting thing. And we we've discussed this internally offline recently is that when we're looking at cards, when we're comping cards, when we're buying cards, you know, part of the art of this business is understanding trajectories and uh, oh, malfunction, no, guys. First time. It's OK. I we're, I thought I fixed it. That's OK. We're on camera. Okay. We're doing this. We're live cutting. Here. Make sure you even keep that in, Chris. Make sure you it keep it work? in. That's great. I don't know how to there fix you go. that. Anyway, I'll every have to... every 30 seconds. So when we're pricing stuff, when we're buying stuff, when we're selling stuff, I think part of the art of this industry is understanding trajectories. And I think one of the most difficult things to do, even for an experienced shop like ours, is understanding that when we're taking stuff in, whether we're buying it as like a collection or we're buying a single sale, what's true today may not be true tomorrow mm -hmm. and may definitely not be true in two weeks. Uh, and sometimes it works in our favor. Uh, and sometimes it, it doesn't. doesn't right? <laughs> So like, I think one question that I always ask myself, and, and I don't think there's a perfect answer or a science to this, but it's like, how do you hedge? How do you protect yourself from making the buy? Even if you think you're making a great buy at 70% of comps or 80% of comps or 60% of comps, how do you hedge yourself from protecting the trajectory? Because it may be weeks down the line until you're able to offload that card. And if the trajectory is going against your favor, well, how do when you, do you how do you, yeah, when do you sell? How do you protect yourself? Yeah, no, it's like you said, there's no right answer, right? You kind of, the good thing about being a, a hobby shop, and we, we even tell this to our customers, right? Like we have a good pulse, like David, you have a fantastic pulse of what people want, right? Day in, day out, right? Like uh, not being in a shop, yeah, you could be in the Facebook groups, you could be, but when you're on the front lines and you're in, you know, talking to everybody who's coming in and sending you DMs, hey, do you have this card? Do you have that card? You got a pretty good feel of what the market wants, at, at least locally, right? Like what the market wants on a day in, day out basis and where that kind of is is heading on a it's like each person has a portfolio. Yeah. Like a personal portfolio of who they like, who they want. Yeah. And do you find that certain portfolios are like there's certain names that are just very commonly being added to portfolios these days. Like I see Scott, I, like I know yeah, Scott, he's like all over the place now. Just I, he's an ROI and he's a Raptor, but does he deserve that? It's a very hype thing. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's kind of like monkey see monkey do. If yeah. one person's collecting this, we should all collect this. Like yeah. this is the play. A lot of people I, I like, I kind of 
I say this in the shop a lot, but people always are coming to me for the answers. Yeah. Like I don't have the answers. <laughs> I might have an idea, sure, but I don't have the answer. Sure. And that, you know, that goes back to the individual person. It's you got to kind of figure out what do you want to do? Cause it's very easy to get lost in the sauce. It's totally. very easy yeah. to have everybody say, collect Scotty, buy Scotty, you buy, you know, hundred Scotties and then it doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So rips his ACL. And then what are you doing? It's tough. It's uh Raps are looking good though. Raps are looking Raps good. They almost beat the, the yeah. Nets. But I think I think along the point of Scotty and a lot of other guys, like we see like Herbert, like the Herbert Black Vinyl went for $1.2 million. You know, it's crazy to me. Another crazy aspect of this industry to me, and I think, you know, we've spoken about this before. An element of it is that a lot of the collector base is new. Yeah. Uh, they're only entering the industry today and along with their entrance into the industry they're you know putting their favorite players of today into yeah. their portfolios so the demand for those players is there but when you look at guys that have never won a ring that have never won a scoring title that have never really proven longevity in their respective position or sport sell for insane amounts of money relative to the goats that have like yep. done like crazy things like i always say look at drew Brees, look at peyton manning look at aaron Rodgers, and compare those guys to Bur Herberts or Burrow or, yeah, or you know, it's like, what is going on? People love buying what's new, what's hot, what's potentially going to increase in value, uh, the hype, right? Because when you're buying a, a Breeze, a, Bur or a, a Breeze, a Rogers, a, a Brady, very safe. Sure, you kind of know the market. You know yeah. what it is, right? It's like stable. It's very safe, very stable. Nothing wrong with that, yeah. right? Like if that's your, your game, like if you're buying the goats, the – uh, the vintage, anything like that, great, amazing. Um, but people love what's new and shiny and what the new rookie classes, right? So uh, that's why there's always a market, right? Like even Kenny Pickett right now, right? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, he's in, people still want to chase Kenny Pickett, yeah. Malik Willis, these guys, right? Because they're the new QB rookies, yeah. right? So, and Scotty Barnes along those lines, yeah. right? Like he's great. He's rookie yeah. of the year and he's he's a great player, but like, who knows if he'll ever be like the Giannis or, or even Giannis himself. Like, listen, he finally got a ring, but like the legacy still isn't cemented in my opinion. No, but I, I, I disagree. Giannis is Giannis's the, legacy is cemented. Giannis is Giannis. Let's do, let's do, you know what? Let's talk about this. Giannis is better than Kevin Garnett. Oh yeah, totally. And where's Kev Giannis is, but look at maybe, a Kevin Garnett rookie card. Giannis is maybe better than Tim Duncan. And I look at a Tim Duncan. Yeah. Rookie yeah card. Separate from rookie. I think it's also like about, with, yeah. the, with the different prints and stuff, right? Like there were the cards that were there for Duncan. Sure. Yeah. Like are nowhere near like one of one or sure. Giannis might be the best power forward. Of I was all literally time. about to say that. I, I would Giannis probably... might be the best power forward of all time. Thinking about it, right? Like sure. He's right there. But, but if you look, so for example, let's take Giannis as like this example. And, and this is another thing I find myself saying all the time is that the value of a sport card, you would think has complete direct correlation to the performance of the athlete. And if you look at Kevin Garnett, if you look at Tim Duncan, like yeah. look at the stat lines on those guys. Yeah. It's fucking insane. MVPs. MVPs, titles. Yeah, yeah. But the value of a sport card is a combination of the performance of the athlete and the sport card fan base yeah. of that athlete. The right? market they play yeah. in. And everything. All of that. The personality, yes. right? Like, yes. and, and the market, I guess he plays in Milwaukee, so that doesn't 
help but i mean if he was in new york it would help him a lot. i think the perfect that. athlete to compare it to is you look at a guy like Kawhi leonard yeah i think Kawhi leonard is a top 10 player in the nba yeah. sure like for sure and you know boring like he's not yeah. really outspoken yeah. nobody really bats an eye to him but he's still you know considered one of the greatest yeah. but yeah. if you look at his like rookie cards yeah guy has a chance to get a, a ring on a third team there's like yeah. not a lot of yeah. players third that have done that. Third different, already, yeah. Right? yeah, but two different. Yeah. So now he's trying to get it on a third, third different team. team. Yeah. That's, you know, Clippers are a really strong team. They have a good chance to do so it this three year. three or two? I think two, two with San Antonio. Two with San Antonio. One with Toronto. So he's got three, yeah. One in Toronto. Yeah. And listen, I think winning a ring in Toronto did wonders for his sport Huge. card value. Huge. Because Toronto right. has a big sport card market. Yep. And especially Raptor-based Kawhi cards get great value. Yeah. Uh, because of what he did for Toronto. Uh, who knows when we'll ever see a ring again in this city as, as an NBA team. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. There's one other thing uh, that's always on my mind recently, and it's the, I, there's no other word to call it, but it's the fuckery uh, that is coming out of some of these manufacturers. And when I say that, it's two things. Uh, and I, I, I want to quickly call out Tops because at least they're trying to make it right, and they're putting out announcements. You know, we've seen recently that, uh, some autos came out on cards that, you know, clearly weren't player autos. And then even more recently, you had them missing a bunch of uh, silver parallels yeah. in their in their last box. But I'm seeing all over social media, you know, they issued these silver packs, which logistically are a bit of a headache. Yep. But they issued these silver packs to make up for the blunder. And now these silver packs are loaded yeah. with unredeemed, uh, unredeemed redemptions. Yeah. And you can be pulling, you know, Aaron Judge rookie autos in these silver packs. Yeah. So the, I think the question comes down to is like, how does a massive company that's been doing this for 70 plus years make such blunders? And what could these companies be doing better to like make up for quality, make up for issues? I think obviously like no sugar and like, you know, we have to walk a little line here, but quality control has to get better across the board, right? Like with, with Upper Deck, and we love all these companies, Upper Deck, Tops, Panini, Fanatics, right? Like cards are, you shouldn't be getting a card straight out of the pack being 80-20, 70-30 uh, centering. Sure. That's bullshit. Yeah. It's bullshit, man, right? Like if somebody, you can't grade that. You could get the best rookie, whatever parallel, whatever relic, and you're going to get awful centering there. That's bullshit. That's pure quality control has to get better. Um, the hobby's pushing for it. So hopefully these guys are, are listening, these manufacturers. So what about this angle? Can we blame the consumer a bit too? Because we're still buying. We're That's still, true. Yeah. Very good like, point. We're still, yep. it, like, it, like how many fuck-ups before we say, hey, like yeah. enough is enough. Yeah. You yeah. know, like Panini Redemptions, there was so much yeah. like, They've just been sending out random redemptions to people. What does that do? Nothing. Like, we're still buying the hobby boxes. Yeah. We're still looking for redemptions. It's very true. So it's, it's like, true. why as a business, if you're, if you're killing it, why are you going to all of a sudden change? Yeah, it's very true. People are still buying. People are still buying. And, and I think like, yeah, it's like, at what point do you like go on strike as a consumer? Right. But the, the, the desire, the demand is still so incredibly yeah, high. A, you can't bank on that. That's not going to happen. Or Maybe not. Maybe not. But listen, you know, we just said this recently uh, today is that the consumer is getting smarter, yep. right? So when when we talk about the consumer getting smarter, I think a lot of it, you can see present day what's happening to, for example, retail prices mm -hmm. on retail product. So let's go back in time, 12 months, getting your hands on a blaster was next to impossible. Yep. Getting your hands on a hanger, any retail product, the, the Walmart price 
was immediately wiped out of the industry and you were paying double Walmart, triple Walmart prices to mm -hmm. get your hands Some on a blaster, is. right? And now that we see, you know, people are getting smarter, nobody's interested in the base stuff anymore. Now the the retail prices are coming back to truly retail. You can get a blaster for retail price. Because the prices inside those boxes are, you know, calm down. Calm down, right? That's like, what that's what dictated the yeah. price was what's the potential. But these prices are still very high at Walmart. Yeah, I, I agree. Right? They're still very high at the actual retail level, right? So um, even even if you buy a blaster at retail price and you rip that blaster open, and even if you hit, let's say, the Trey Lance or the or the Lamelo Ball or or the Kate Cunningham or mm -hmm. whatever it is. You're, you that that base card is worth fractions of what yeah. you paid for the blaster. So even when you get the card you quote unquote are chasing, yep. it's really hard to pay off. And with specifically with football and basketball, that translates to hobby as well. Mm -hmm. Which course. is so when we talk about the consumer still doing it, I wonder sometimes. And listen, you know, we own a sports shop, and obviously, you know, there's many different elements to our business. One of them is selling hobby boxes. And I think most people that buy hobby understand the risk mm -hmm. that they're taking. But it's it saddens me when I see people rip open a box, get a pretty decent card, and it's and it's still not redeeming the value of the box. I think and look, this whole it's a gamble. Everything's yeah, a gamble. Of course. And, yeah, and we, we all know that and everybody should understand that and know that it, it's a form of of gambling, um, you know, breaking and, and opening boxes. It's a form of gambling with levels. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> but, you know, this kind of not having a card come out and being worth what the box is, even if it's the hit, I think has to, a little to do with the market fluctuating so much right now, right? Like sure. nobody knows where it's at or where it will be. And I, some people say it's a dip. Some people say it's correcting, right? So it's kind of in the middle of everything right now where what is the correct price, right? Like what is the correct price on a hobby box? What is the correct price on the on the retail boxes? What's the correct po uh, price on that hit that's coming out in that card? So that's where it's the tricky part, right? Because the price on a, on a hobby box, there's a trickle down effect. A hobby shop just doesn't make up a price, right? Sure. Uh, Panini sells it to a distributor. A distributor sells it to, to a hobby shop. A hobby shop has to sell it to, to the consumer, right? And, and there's a funnel. The actual card that comes out of there, there's a lot less funnels. It's hobby this or, you box. know, this is the box. This is the card, eBay. Yeah. So a lot less hands are being changed initially, initially for the original comp. So that's where it's the... I think, I think also part of the draw for the consumer with certain products is that despite the fact that you have, let's say decent cards coming out of boxes and not being, you know, the value that you want them to be, the, the idea of the ability to hit like a massive home run. And I use like the Herbie black vinyl that just got pulled maybe last month or two months ago that sold at auction for $1.2 million. Mm -hmm. So that idea, that sort of like, you know, fairy tale dream that some consumers like still want to believe in yeah. is that, hey, I'm going to buy into this group break, which is what happened with that Justin Herbert, right? That guy bought a $170 spot in a group break. That box opened up and hit that Herbie one of one black vinyl that ended up selling for $1.2 million. Nice yeah. So when you think about the return on that, that is like, and so that still exists. So I think the issue is that you have these like this massive bottleneck of you have these like very, very ultra rare cards that are going to get you crazy money. 
And then you have everything else kind of living in mm -hmm. the middle or the low where sure you, you hit a Trey Lance, uh, you know, prism rookie auto huge card you would think, but like when you really look at it, it's, you know, not that yeah. massive. It's maybe the value of the box and it's a rare card to hit in that box. Yeah. Whereas you could also hit a Trey Lance gold vinyl rookie auto. And now this card is like six figures. So I think part of the thing that I would love to see potentially manufacturers do is like spread the wealth a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Like maybe, maybe come up with like different cards and different parallels and different inserts that become a little bit more rare and become a little bit more valuable. But so you don't just have that one card. That's like that $1 million card. Yeah. Everybody's chasing, but you know, spread it around a little bit. Can you do like a retail gold set? So like you can only get like this gold set from retail product to 10 and then you can do the, the hobby exclusive. Problem that is, would be cool. Yeah. Problem is sometimes, you know, once there's too many exclusive, too many, it already, uh, is there. that's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. That already happened. People freak out. There's, you know, you're diluting. This guy's got 400 different rookie cards compared to a vintage guy who had 15, right? So people already complain about that. Mac Jones has more than 80 different one-of-one one NFL Shield there cards. There you go. He hasn't worn that. He hasn't played that many games and worn that many years. So <laughs> it's already diluted already, as hell. Uh, I, I've heard that they make him change jerseys every quarter so that they for for the next Panini round for the next Panini NFL Shield. Yeah. It, it, but I think that David brings up a really good idea. I think the manufacturers should actually consider doing retail exclusive rare, rare, true rare inserts. Not like a like a very not like a whatever. variation yeah, yeah. red wave, like but a give true, us a real reason. Give us a real reason yeah. to rip retail for sure. Well, what what was the box? Retail had nothing. Was it Prism? The most recent uh wax that came out? Well, yeah, the Prism NBA. It Prism. just had the crack no autos. No they took autos, autos took out of everything the, out. out of the nothing. blasters. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, another reason to rip hobby, right? But uh, but it's expensive. Very. It's the chance, right? People just like the chance. It's the same thing of going uh, every Thursday to the gas station and getting a Lotto Max on Friday. Exactly. It's literally yeah. the same thing. Sure. It's, I'm hoping that I can hit. O odds are better with sports cards than right. Lotto Max. I it's like prefer. buying a single individual card. You're buying it in the hopes of he's going to play great, he's going to have a great career, and it's going to be worth something in the future. It's another form of sports gambling, right? Like... There's a huge fun part it's a of it, right? And, and you want to make sure, like, with every type of gambling, you want to make sure you're having fun. Yeah, it's crazy to think because the problem is, is if you're having a lot of fun at a blackjack table, you, something's wrong. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, if you're winning, if you're winning, but it, I'm trying to like word these this correctly. But you know, it's still a hobby. It's still a yeah. collectible. But you're also gambling, right? It's kind of like fantasy sports. You're having fun. You're most likely gambling on it, right? Sports gambling. But you're in control. The, you're in control. Daily fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. You, you do have more control. You can't control it's it. It's skill. So you could say it. there's skill yeah. involved, right? Yeah. You, you can't control if somebody's going to get injured or not. But uh, Yeah, but yeah. sure. That's why you invest but in Charizard. <laughs> yeah, you're not Charizard, yeah, Charizard yeah. can't get injured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but so when we talk about singles and, and inve investing, this is a conversation David and I had recently about a customer that came into the shop that, that bought some big singles off of us is that so some customers will come in and you know if they're new customers will always try to ask them hey how'd you hear about us and hey how are you how'd you get into the hobby and whatnot and and this this most recent customer was a very interesting story and in that he said to us uh well my kid is like a big pokemon guy and i've always watched him like do his pokemon thing and and uh it's very fascinating to me and i'm a big sports guy and you know he's obviously a 
grown man. Not to say that grown men can't collect Pokemon. Hmm. Shout out JP. Um, <laughs> but he came in and he's like, yeah, I, I, he just looked through our display and he picked some players that he was really like into or really liked. And he's like, I'm just going to buy these cards and tuck them away. And then maybe in 10 or like, so he's not a collector, but he recognizes the alternative asset class that sports cards could be. His son kind of exposed him to the idea of, you know, cardboard pictures having yeah. value. Uh, and he, you know, he came and spent a few grand on, on sports cards and he's just going to tuck them away and he'll probably come back and rinse and repeat yeah. that process. So I think there, there is this emerging subsect of customer collector that looks at it solely as build a portfolio, tuck it away, hand it down to kids or see what happens. Have some stocks, have some crypto, have some sports cards, right? Have it's like, a physical asset too. It's a physical asset. I think asset. that's what attracts a lot of people is the fact that like, if I want to go look at it at night and yeah. like, see, I can, I can grab like it. People yeah. like to, you know, like, oh. Like, I, I do all, that. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> all right? the time. Like, oh man, I can't believe I have this card. It's all so the time. cool, right? Like, that's the fun in it too. It's physical. You could look at it. You could... You know, it, it's, you can explain the story to yeah. someone if they ask, like, what is this? Why do you How'd have you get it? Yeah. yeah, totally. I wanted us to talk about uh, group breaks and, you know, how we actually struggle and, and like the, the, the incentive, the incentive to move breaks. You want to talk? Yeah, it? I do. I think I think it's I think it's I don't, I don't know about the struggle, but I think we can talk about how we we're always trying to put together creative breaks and we're always trying to mix things up and always trying to give value back to the customer while still like maintaining an element of profit. Yeah. Listen, group breaks are a big part of the business our business, but the hobbies business, the hobbies growth in general. Right. So, um, group breaks have become a lot more difficult in general. Uh, for us and you know across the board but wax still has to be ripped wax still has to be opened up so that singles happen and um there's a lot of shitty parts of group breaks in general right like we do not mark up the prices on our group breaks whatever the uh the boxes are we we add them up yeah we, split we it evenly split it evenly um you know and that was kind of a big issue in the group break industry, you know, there's that huge extra 30% markup or whatever what people would do. We do not do that. Um, we try to mix the price points on group breaks. We, we try to have retail, we try to have a uh, hobby, uh, hobby obviously being a little bit more expensive, uh, retail being on the cheaper end. We try to do it all. We try to do different years. We do multi-sport. We try to have fun with group breaks because at the end of the day, that's what it's supposed to be, right? supposed to be a, a fun, fun communal thing right like it's an entertaining it, service it's an entertaining yeah. service everyone you you know it's not just you opening a box it's you and nine other people you and 30 other people opening up this box so there's an audience um, for there's it. there's an yeah. audience for it to, once again the chase to hit the big card for a hundred bucks that's you it you know that's, that's 100 to 1.2 million yeah that's there the you goal. go that's the allure right and are you gonna hit every time no, you're, not. <laughs> you're probably going to whiff most of the time, right? Like you're, you're probably not going to hit a, a big card. Um, Cut that. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, that's the lure. That's the lure of. But, but I think the reason that our group breaks 
have just become a, like a consistent Sunday event, right? Like I don't like I. I remember recently was a long weekend. We decided to shut down one Sunday, and it was yeah, like the first time out. we shut down in like yeah. two years. And everybody's messaging us. Everybody's messaging. What's yeah. going on with group breaks? Yeah. Where are the it's group breaks? It's not posted. Yeah, it's, it's Thursday. Not posted. Yeah. I, but I think the reason is that it has, you know, you guys both touched on it. It's become this like community thing. It's mm -hmm. basically, you know, everyone has long weeks, families, jobs, everything else we do in life. But that Sunday night sort of like two, three hour window, the Relic Squad all gets together. We're all shooting the shit on a Sunday night. Maybe there's some sports on. Uh, everyone's sort of active in the chat. I feel like we have a very active chat mm -hmm. amongst, you know, Super. hobby shops. I, it, literally coming off of what you're saying, this past Wednesday, we did our live. I'm not going to say the name. They might not want to mention the other thing. But they came into the chat at the end of the night. It was probably like 10.30. Hey, sorry, I'm on a work trip. Haven't been able to watch the live, but I just wanted to say hi to the squad. <laughs> that's and that's it. Left. Just Crazy. came, saw the live, said hi to everybody, and left. Yeah. And, and a lot of these people have never met each other. No. They don't really know but each they other. they all talk to each other. They all talk to each other. Yo, what up, uh, yeah. Bob? What yeah, up, yeah. Uh, Dan? I hope all Why didn't well. you bid on that card? Yeah. <laughs> and we've had people, you know, in the shop and in our lives, but in the lives, it'll be like, oh, my God, I used to work with you 10 years ago. Really? Your cards. Yeah. yeah, I remember. Yeah, I don't want to mention like the, the people as well. But the guy's like, oh, my God. Okay, DM me. So they took it, obviously, out of yeah. the chat. But he's like, yeah, I worked with you for, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, so that was uh, cool. And this happens in the shop all the time. You know, just last week, a lot uh, of parents. there was two adults. I'm digressing here. Yeah. But two, two people, 40 years old. Hadn't seen each other since high school. Over just randomly years. walked into their Both kids. with their kids. We're in the shop. Both with their kids. Hugged, kissed, right? Crazy. Like, they were like, oh my God, I haven't seen you. And they, they were both in awe. They're like, insane that they were bumping into each other. And like, standing there, it was like, this is amazing. That, you know, like, this was a place that people bumped into each other after 20 years, right? So that was super cool. But happens in the live as well. Okay, thanks, guys. I think that was very, very... Epi Episode one ish. Episode one ish. Some rough spots. Yeah. You know, so definitely stuff we can correct. But yeah. I, I like I like the idea of a true natural riff. I like the idea that this truly wasn't scripted. There was no real agenda. We all got into a room together, and this is something we naturally do all the time. Always. Now we're actually capturing it and, and getting it on air. These are the weekly call management calls we have <laughs> as it is, and now you're on our management calls, right? <laughs> providing it to the masses. That's it. We talk about some other stuff like numbers, but. Uh, but, you know, we always just catch each other up on uh, the industry and our thoughts. And thank you for joining us, guys. Thank Thanks, you, guys. guys. Cheers.